confession. We're going to look at the story of the prodigal son. We're going to take a look at what confession is and what we need to confess. Okay, just kind of a general overview of confession. We're going to ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Um, and we're going to see what God will do for us. Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you'd help me now as I preach on this topic of confession. I need this lesson. We need this lesson. How easy it is for us to gloss over our transgressions how easy it is for us to hide them in our heart, how easy it is, is for us to act self-righteous towards you and towards others. Forgive us, we pray. I pray that today would be a day of cleansing. Today would be a day of confession. Today would be a day of redemption and renewal. Lord, I pray for those who are listening to the recording as well. God, if anyone is listening, never trusted you as their savior, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. We love you. Think of your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Confession. Confession. We don't see the word confession in this, but we see the idea. We see the story. We're going to take a look at some other scriptures. Let's take a look at Romans. We'll look in our Bibles a little bit today as we look at this topic of confession. Confession is all throughout the scriptures. Romans chapter number 10. Romans 10, and perhaps you're familiar with these verses. Maybe you even could quote them. Maybe you've quoted them to others. 
Perhaps someone showed you these verses or quoted them to you when you came to Christ and trusted him as your savior. But it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess, there's our word, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Confession. Confession. Confession means this, to say the same as or to agree with. So in this particular verse in Romans chapter number 10, when it's saying that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, we see confess with the mouth, believe in the heart. Those two things have to be together. Later, when we're talking about confessing our sins to God or confessing our fault or our sin that, uh, with, with another person in the sense that we've done them wrong and we're confessing that, we need what we say with our mouth needs to be true with what is happening in our heart. We can't just say something with our mouth and our heart not be in belief of that. We can't ha- we our, our heart has to be true. Okay? So, later on when we talk about um, confessing if you've done someone wrong or there's a disagreement or you had a fight, right? You can't just say the words, "I'm sorry." Right? No. Your heart, you have to truly believe that and you have to truly be sorry. Um, And so, but confession is to say the same as. So in this particular, uh, these verses, we're confessing the Lord Jesus for salvation, right? We're going to look in just a moment at at, at our verse that we we looked at uh, a little bit ago, 1 John 1, 9, confessing our sin, okay? But in this particular sense, the first thing that we see is we have to confess Christ for salvation, What does that mean? It means we have to say the same thing as God says about Christ. We have to confess that. We have to say the same thing is we have to agree with him and we have to, in our heart, believe what our mouth is confessing. We we cannot just say, I believe in Jesus. We cannot just say, I believe he died for my sin. We cannot just say with our mouth, I believe he rose from the dead. We cannot just say with our mouth, I believe that he died for my sin And if I trusted him, then he would save me. We actually have to have that occur in our heart. So confession with our mouth, belief in our heart, those two things must go together. It's very easy when we're talking about the topic of confession for what's happening in our heart to never truly come out, for it never to really come out of our mouth. God can be working in the heart of someone to trust Christ as their savior But if they never actually let it come out of their mouth or they never actually follow through with that belief, then there is something that is not completely true or correct with that confession. We'll look at that um, in just a moment. Look at uh, look at uh, look at Luke 15. Once again, we're going to kind of reference this story. We'll look at the confession here of the prodigal son. If we're talking about confession for salvation, First John 2 and verse number 2 says that Jesus, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Meaning that Jesus Christ is the appeasement for our sins. And when I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I am acknowledging that, I'm believing on that, I'm trusting that, 
And because of that, it's coming out of my mouth. I agree. I agree. I'm trusting. And I agree. Look at Luke 15 and verse number 11. The story starts and it says a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. Now, this is this is really a huge insult here, right? When you're asking for your inheritance, you're asking for your inheritance before the father's even passed away, right? Um, give me whatever is gonna, whatever I'm gonna get in the will. When you pass away, yeah, I want it now. It's almost like you're telling the father, um, I can't wait until you're dead. I kind of wish you were dead. Wow. And I can't, I'm not gonna kill you, but I kind of wish you were dead. And the only thing I care about for you is your stuff. So give me the stuff. Can you imagine the insult? Incredible insult. You got two sons, the younger of them says, I want my stuff now. Incredibly, I mean, this is incredibly offensive to the relationship. So what does he do with his stuff? He takes it and then goes off to a far country. And it says, waste is substance with riotous living. He wastes what the father gave him. I wish you were dead. Give me this stuff that I'm going to get when you're dead. All the money. Liquidate all of your assets, right? Sell everything so that I can have a bundle of money to then take and go and live in the exact opposite manner that you would have me live. I'm going to go do the opposite. I'm going to go far, far away from the blessed country of Israel. Remember, this is a Jewish story. I'm there going to, as the brother describes later on, it says, look at verse number 30. But as soon as this thy son was coming, which thou hast devoured thy living with harlots. Right? I mean, this guy's just living the party life. Blowing the money. Right? It's like running off to Las Vegas or something and just absolutely living like a crazy sinful person. Look at verse 14. When he had spent all. Now look, here's the thing. We do have a choice in this life. We do have a choice. There is pleasure in sin for a season, but it comes at a great cost. It comes at a great cost. For an unbeliever, the great cost of sin is hell. The great, great cost is the wrath of God on sin. God doesn't hate sinners. God hates the sin. Hell was created for Satan. He was, hell was created to judge the evil of Satan, the inventor of evil, the father of lies. And if we do not come and confess Christ to say the same as God when it comes to salvation and believe on Christ, then we have to be judged with the sin. But we have that choice. We can see this in the life of the son. The son had the choice. We had spent all. I want my freedom. You can have your freedom. I want to do what I want to do. You can do what you want to do. I don't even want to believe in God. You don't have to believe in God. You can make the choice, listen, friend, but you do not choose the consequences. You do not choose the consequences. Yes, you have the freedom to stand in front of the goat train, but you do not have the freedom to choose what happens to your body after the goat train hits you. Once you make the choice, you are putting the consequences into play. 
We've got to understand that when it comes to confession of sin, it does not reverse consequences for sin. I'm saved so I can go and do whatever I want and I'll still go to heaven. That is true. But it does not reverse the consequences of what it will have on your mind, on your soul, on your body, on your family, on your church, and those who love you. When he had spent his inheritance, his inheritance was spent. He'd spent all. Now we know later in the story, he comes back to the father and confesses. Did did that inheritance magically come back? No, it was gone. He spent it. He blew it. Guys, when we're talking about confession, we've got to be so careful. Thank God we're not like the Catholics where in order to confess a sin, you've got to bring a bunch of money. Or you've got to do this many Hail Marys. But they do have something right in the fact that sin is not free. We live in a world today where sin is just free. It's my choice. I can do whatever I want to do. It is your choice and you can do whatever you want to do. But you cannot choose whether or not there's consequences. When you're telling me it's your choice, you cannot say there are no consequences. There are absolutely, there was consequences when he looked at his father and said, I want my inheritance. There were consequences when he took his inheritance and went to a far country. There were consequences when he blew all of that money on wicked living. There were consequences. Confession does not mean consequences. Confession does not mean consequences. Verse 14, when he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. It went from bad to worse. Now all his money's gone and now there's There's no rain. Now, it's interesting to see, guys. Later when he has his confession, he he says both in his rehearsal (laughs) and when he's actually talking to the Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Now, in, in Scripture, famine is always a picture of God's judgment. So he spent all of his money. He began to be in want. And then there's no rain. We can see here that, yes, the father of the prodigal son is a picture of God the father. But even in the story, as Jesus is telling this parable, he wants us to realize when we sin, we do sin against people. But we also sin against heaven. Every sin against people is a sin against heaven. Every sin against a person is a sin against God. And God is the one that brings about the consequences. There's a famine. Whatever opportunity, I'm going to spend, 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 live, 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 live it up, live it up. I'm going to drink. I'm going to go to the prostitutes. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to just have a great time. I'm going to do the drugs. I'm going to do whatever. I'm just... Whatever, I'm going to get the fast car. I'm going to drive as fast as I can. I'm just going to live reckless and crazy. And when all of my money's gone, then I'll just go and, you know, kind of get a job and just kind of live here and do whatever. Oh, my goodness. Is that, is that the way it works out? It's not the way it works out. Because heaven is watching our choices. And if anybody's listening that's saying I can sin and I can do whatever I want to. And after that, after I've had my fun, I'll go back and I'll do this and that or another. Listen, friend, heaven 
will make sure your plans do not work out. There are consequences for sinful behavior and sinful attitudes and sinful words and sinful choices. There is consequences. Confession does not mean no consequences. He began to be in want. This is such a very, very stark picture of the cost of sin. This is what the billboards don't show you. This is what the movies don't show you. They don't ever show you after. Oh, they may tell jokes about the, uh, you know, the hangovers or whatever. But they don't really tell you the cost. Began to be in want. And then what happens here? He has to go get a job feeding pigs. Which, again, for a Jewish boy who was kind of the king of the farm back home, you understand. This was the absolute lowest job and the lowest degrading, insulting job. Not that the farmer was trying to insult him. Listen, this is just all there was. This is what sin does to us. This is what sinful choices do to us. This is what a rebellious heart against God does to us. We do it to ourselves. Listen, God would not love us if he did not allow consequences in our life for sinful behavior. Any parent that lets their kids play in the street with no concern whatsoever. We have to question whether or not that parent really loves that child. Consequences are going to happen. God allowed consequences in this young man's life. Eating husks. The part of the corn you peel off. That's not the part you eat. He's eating the trash. Guys, again, the incredible picture here of what sin does to us. Sin empties our pockets, empties our hearts, empties our relationships, empties our choices, and makes us eat on the absolute trash of this world. There are so many people that are so prideful, they refuse to confess to God. They refuse to confess to that person. And they have just decided, I'm just going to live on the trash. (laughs) I'm going to live on the trash. He would fain, verse 16, would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. Eating trash. And look at this last phrase in verse 16. Heartbreaking. No man gave to him. There was no compassion. Listen, friend. Listen. Before confession, there's no compassion. Compassion is after confession. That's a powerful phrase right there, friend. That is a powerful truth. Notice notice in verse 20. Now we're skipping ahead just, just briefly. But just to, just, to, just to make the point, 
People want to live the way they want to live. They want to spend what they want to spend. They want to make the choices they want to make. They begin to be in want. They've got nothing left. Their relationships are all completely shot. Nobody trusts them. They're extremely selfish. We live in a day and age where people are so selfish. So selfish. And when they start to have the consequences in their life, they don't want to change their life. They don't want to change their heart. They don't want to confess. They don't want to admit that they're wrong. And yet they sit there and they scream about compassion. Compassion is after confession. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father when he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion. There it is. The father had compassion after the confession. No man gave unto him in verse 16. They saw his condition. Now, this is not instruction for us to look on people who are doing wrong and not have compassion. This is just a description of the way it is when we choose to sin. We will not feel the compassion of others. And, and listen, people may have compassion on you if you're living in sin, but you're not going to feel it. You're not going to recognize it. You're not going to know it. You're going to have that hard heart of pride. It is amazing to me how many, how many in the story, how many Jewish boys are feeding pigs and they still have the pride in their heart and they will not recognize where they're living. It is unbelievable to me how many people will go on for years in the pride of their life, dealing with consequences day after day after day. And they're just like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to feed pigs. I guess this is just the way my family life's going to be. I guess this is just the way my spiritual life is going to be. I'm just going to have to learn to deal with the depression. I'm going to have to learn to deal with the guilt and the shame. I'm going to have to learn to deal with the anxiety. I'm going to have to learn to deal with the, with the, with, with the uh, psychological effects on my body and how now I'm just so prone to sicknesses. We'll get into that in just a minute. I'm just going to have to learn to deal with this. I'm going to have to learn to deal. We see her loneliness. His only company is pigs. Angry he could be. Verse 17 is profound when it comes to, when it comes to confession. And when he came to himself. What does that mean? That he came to himself. It means that there was, there was a period of time when he was just feeding the pigs and taking a munch on garbage and it didn't really hit him. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Listen, there is no healing in our life, friend. If we're not willing to take a good look at ourselves, We live in the day and age of blame, which has always been mankind's propensity ever since the Garden of Eden. They get, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they get caught by God. What, what was their go-to game plan back then? Adam's like, well, the woman. And Eve's like, well, the serpent. Blaming. We live in a day and age with the internet, man. If you want to find somebody to blame, you can, you can find. You've got to you know, have a whole list. People dealing with the consequences of their sinful actions... And they've got a giant list of people to blame. And their name is not on the list. Confession is not about you confessing what someone else did. 
Confession is you putting your name on the list. That's what he finally did. Well, who, who could have he blamed before he finally came to himself? Somehow, I guess, maybe some way, perhaps, I don't know, he could have blamed his father. I don't know, it doesn't say that, but potentially. Nowadays, if he goes to the right therapist, that's what they would tell you. Well, tell me about your father. Oh, he didn't smile enough at you, and that's why you did what you did. No, that's not true. You just made a sinful choice, and you're dealing with the consequences. Have people done us wrong in the past? Yes. Is that an excuse for us to make sinful choices for ourselves? No. Because no matter what they did, when I choose the sin, I'm still the one in the pig pen. Well, the therapist says, let's talk about it. I'm not picking on therapists, but I'm picking on therapists. Let's talk about your older brother. How did he treat you? Let's talk about your environment. Maybe he was a bit too judgy. Let's talk about maybe your dad made you work a little too hard. Maybe your dad didn't make you work hard enough. Maybe this, maybe that. Let's find somebody. Let's go play the blame game. Does blaming bring healing? No, it doesn't. You know, guilt is so important in life. And God wants us to know what we should feel guilty about and what we should not. And one of the, reasons, one of the things where I feel like therapists have it right is a lot of times people will feel guilty about things that other people have done to them or other people have said, and yet somehow when someone does wrong, they feel like they were wrong, and yet they didn't do anything wrong. And they can help us kind of fight through that and kind of separate these different things. But where healing is, and, and that can be a healing thing where, hey, my parents got divorced, for example. My parents didn't, but just as an example, my parents got divorced and I was a little kid and I was eight years old and, and I thought that maybe it was my fault and I've been carrying that guilt and, and their marriage fell apart. And you tell, tell the child, no, it's not your fault. That's their choice. They're the one who made these bad choices. It's not your fault whatsoever. It doesn't matter if you could have been a better girl or a better boy. That part of therapy is so profound. But then for us to take that all the way to the other side and said, you're never wrong about anything and any kind of negative vibration or negative emotion or depression or anxiety or feelings of guilt is always somebody else's fault. Listen, if we're going to conf confession at the very heart of confession is coming to yourself, it's coming to yourself. He didn't, he didn't get healing. He didn't get help. By standing there in the pig pen and examining whether or not his father was right or wrong. It's interesting too, when he says here, chapter 15 and verse number 18, I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven. He's not blaming heaven either. Man, it's so interesting being a pastor in the GTA. Hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor of a church. Man, you get people's opinion about religion that fast. I didn't ask for it. I just told them what I do for a living. Well, I think. Okay. You know, it's amazing how many people blame God for where they are in life. As if God is the one that made those choices for them. We have got to get to the place where we are willing to look on ourselves 
Me. Pastor Corey McTagg, me, 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 me. I'm going to look at myself and say, are the consequences that I'm dealing with right now, are they actually consequences? Are these consequences for sin in my life or is it a test of my faith? And boy, is it amazing how many people will say, no, no, whatever I'm dealing with is just a test of my faith. I've never done anything wrong. And they are going clearly against scripture. We have got to be honest with ourselves. And if I can kind of go back to the Romans chapter number 10, 8 and 9, where it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's not enough for you just to come to yourself. You've got to arise and go to the Father. That's what confession is. It's not just you being able to say with your mouth, yes, I believe in Jesus. Your heart's got to be in there, friend. Your heart, listen. Confession is when you are willing to go back to where you last knew that you were right with God. It can be 30 years ago for some people. Back then I was enjoying peace. I was going to church every single service I could. I was reading my Bible and praying. I was praising Jesus. I was faithful in my finances. This young man had confession was, was not just coming to himself. And again, this is where a lot of times people in the self-help mode, which all that stuff is not wrong. But if all it does is lead you to say, this is who I am. And this is, and, 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 and this is the way I, I, I find myself. And this is my life right now. And you never actually take a moment to repent and confess and renew those relationships with the people that you've done wrong. And most importantly, renew the relationship with God. Listen, do not fall into the trap of studying self-help books and figuring out the best way to make life in the pig pen okay. I don't want to live in the pig pen. I don't want to figure, hey, I don't want to go on Pinterest and look for recipes on corn husks. Amen. Man, let's just go back to the Father. Let's go back to the Father. Let's go back to God. Let's go back. Let's confess. Confess, once again, means to agree with, to say the same thing as. We can see the process of confession here. You say, well, I don't know if I can confess to that person. It could be someone in this room has done someone else wrong. You've said something, you were angry, you did something, you know you did. Maybe you've stolen something. Maybe there is some kind of uh, infidelity. I have no idea. I'm just throwing out things as they come to mind. But we can hurt people in our life. We can hurt parents. We can hurt children. We can hurt friends. We can hurt church friends and church people. Hey, we can hurt pastors. We can hurt pastors. Leaders. Teachers. We have to be willing to go and, and tell them you were wrong. It's interesting how he rehearses his speech. This can actually help. <laughs> oh, pastor, I just don't know what I can say. Rehearse it. I, I did God wrong. I, I, I know I shouldn't have. You know what? Maybe you should just write it out. 
Psalm 51 is David confessing to God his sin in that he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He wrote it out. Writing it out sometimes. Burn it afterwards. You're not trying to publicize it. Listen, don't confess on Facebook. Can I just go ahead and say that? Facebook is not the, it's not the priest. Unfortunately, a lot of people treat Facebook like it's a priest. Really, it's just an attempt to get attention most of the time. Cleansing does not come from, Facebook will not absolve you. We understand that. Okay? And yet that person doesn't feel any better. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, come on. Call the person up. Meet them in person. Better yet, confess to God. Go to the person that you, and, and rehearsal can help. Rehearse it. I don't, know what I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna say to that person. Well, practice. Practice. Verse 20, he arose, came to his father. You see that? He arose and came to his father. Confession is going. Confession is going. Confession is going back. Confession is going back. It's going to the person and it's going back. Listen, if we are a Christian and we have made some serious choices in our life that are wrong and that person have fallen out of church, they are not right with God until they get back in church. I'm going to confess my sin, but I'm just going to continue to just kind of worship at home. That is not the biblical model. You have not yet agreed with God. Well, I'm just a little uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Confession is uncomfortable. Confession is uncomfortable. Thank God it doesn't. God does not require that we confess our sins to a person, that person does not forgive us of our sins. Let's go to uh, 1 John 1, 9 once again. We've already looked at this one. 1 John 1, 9, famous verse on confession. This is not talking about salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10 say, confess the, uh, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Specifically those verses. Confess Christ for salvation. Trust in Christ for salvation. Okay, First John 1 John 1.9 is not about salvation. It's about fellowship. Now, how do we know that? We know that by the context. We know that by the wording. What does the word say? First John 1, uh, let's look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, there it is. Fellowship with who? Fellowship with God. The whole context is having fellowship with God. Being able to enjoy his presence. The joy that we want comes from God. The peace that we want comes from God. You ever, say to, you ever say to yourself or say to a friend, man, I just really like being around that person. They're so much fun because when I get in there, when I get around them, they're always having fun. So then I have fun. Or that person's always so happy. And even if I'm having a bad day, man, if I call that person up or we go have a coffee, they're so happy, it just helps lift my day up. We've all said things like that. You don't realize that's where joy and peace comes from, is being with God. Man, when I'm with God, he just gives me his joy. When I'm with God, he gives me his peace. When I'm with God, he gives me his long suffering. It's not me trying to conjure these things up. That's what it means to walk in the spirit, by the way. Walk in the spirit. It means to fellowship with God, to have that connection with God. 
if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, you see here the confession in the heart, right? It's going to get to confess your sin in just a moment. It's saying, look, you may need to confess sins if your walk is not right. What does your lifestyle look like? Does your lifestyle and your choices match up with what the Bible says? Oh, yeah, me and God, we're great. Oh, I have people tell me that all the time. They probably tell you too. Me and God, we're awesome. Which God? The real one? Like as in the the God of the Bible? Because he tells us what it means to be awesome with him. He explains what it means to have fellowship with him. And it doesn't mean for me to kind of live my own life in the choices I want to make. Look, at that point, friend, in the story of the prodigal, we're still living in a far country, spending our money, and it just hasn't hit us yet. Yeah, me and the Father, we're great. You know, everything's great. I'm just kind of spending my money here, having a great time. I mean, when I went up to him and told him I wished he was dead, and can I have my money now, he didn't say a lot. He gave it to me. And now I'm over here in the far country just kind of living my life and doing my thing. And I think we're good. I think, you know, it's not until it actually hits you. This happened to me because I am so far away from God. And guys, can I just say something personally as a pastor? The saddest and the scariest moment of being a pastor is when you see somebody and you know they are sliding away from God. And their excuses get more and more ridiculous. And they're in that moment where they're in the far country. Their heart is far from God. And you know the consequences of their actions are going to hit eventually. The saddest and the scariest moment is watching that person spend the joy and the peace that they have had from God's presence. And thinking that everything's okay, but knowing their lifestyle does not match up with what God's word describes. And they have walked far away from God. And then for them to actually arrive in the pig pen and think, this is it, they're going to come back. They're going to come back to church, either this church or another church. They're going to come back to God. And they don't. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? The healing that we get from confession is profound. We are not just a body and a soul or a body and a psyche. We're a spirit. And if we've wronged someone, we have to confess it to them. And most importantly, every time we wrong someone, we are also wronging God. It's against heaven and against the the Father. I remember one time, I worked this job when I was in college. 
And it was a job where you would uh, weigh vehicles. They would drive on these big, huge scales. You would have to weigh the truck, empty and, and full. And we had to drive off site. And this lady came in and she was a, a bit of a jerk. So I was one right back at her. She barked and I barked back. The funny thing is we still had to go and meet at this scale and I had to see her again in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And on the way, I'm driving. This lady's so grumpy, I can't believe just I, you know, I finally gave her what's for. And yet the Holy Spirit inside saying, hey buddy, she's probably not a Christian, but you are. You need to tell her you're sorry. What? I got a choice right then and there. I can either try to say that I was right or I can admit to God, no, you're right, I'm wrong and humble myself. Tell that woman I'm, I'm sorry and then go on in sweet fellowship with God or it can fall off the other direction. It was tough. And I looked at the floor the whole time. <laughs> I told her, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. And she was, she was nice. She was kind. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I'm having a bad day. It's worth a little bit of pride for you to get that peace back in your heart. It says... In verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to show you one more verse and we'll be done. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 is talking about the Lord's Supper, which we'll have next, next Sunday at 10. First Corinthians 11 describes, and I'm not going to go through the whole description, is describing how to have the Lord's Supper and how everything's supposed to work. Look at verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself or judgment. It doesn't mean they're going to go to hell. It just means they're... they're They're bringing God's judgment on them. It says not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, guys, look at verse number 30 with me. Unconfessed sin is what it's talking about. Unconfessed sin to God primarily, but unconfessed sin to other people. What does it say in verse number 30? For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. Sin, unconfessed sin, is so heavy on our heart, on our spirit, and on our psyche, it most certainly can bring about health conditions, mental health conditions, bodily health conditions. It absolutely can. Why? It's God's judgment. Sin is not free. We have the freedom to sin, but we do not have the freedom to choose our consequences. Verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. There it is. 
This is what this is what we're talking about. Confession is judging yourself. It's so easy to judge others. But right now we're just going to take a moment. God, what do you see? What do you see? I'm not I'm not going to look for other people to blame and they may be to blame. They may be to blame. And God will take care of them. But right now we're talking about us in our heart. God does not, listen, God does not judge us for something that is outside of our ability to control. He does not judge us for the actions of others. We can't control their actions. Sin is something that we have done. Sin is something that we need to confess. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. We're going to take